You may have heard of the real-life Hawkeye man cave known as Kinnick Under the Kitchen. Well, after lots of hard work, there's not much space left to paint, but the walls are exploding out for public consumption. Under the Kitchen is proud to announce that you can now purchase exclusive prints of some of your favorite Hawkeye legends, including wrestling great Spencer Lee, football players Tyler Goodson, Riley Moss, and Drew Tate, plus an all-in-one Murray family legacy print featuring Keegan, Chris, and Kenyon Murray himself. Signed and unsigned prints are available, making the perfect collectible or gift for any Hawkeye enthusiast. For more information on purchasing one of these outstanding Hawkeye prints, visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook. That's Under the Kitchen on Facebook. Appreciate Randy Engel and Under the Kitchen for sponsoring this edition of Hawkeye Hangout and appreciate all of you for being here on this Monday. Let me get my camera a little bit straighter. There we go. What a weekend it was. Big time weekend for Iowa football. We'll get to all that in a little bit. But uh, first of all, thank you again. I want to make sure that I uh, shout out to everybody who's on here, 30 people so far. Please, as a reminder, before we get going and we're going to talk Iowa recruiting, we're going to talk about everybody who was on campus that I'm aware of that was reported uh, this past weekend. Before we do that, though, please share this show on social media. It does help. All right. It does help if you share the show out on social media. It does also help if you hit the like button. So if you're not into social media besides YouTube, please at least hit that like button, the thumbs up button. If you don't have a YouTube channel, I don't believe you can do that. So you may want to think about doing that next time. Commenting on the show, interacting in our live chat is awesome as well. So thank you to everyone for being here and helping this show happen. You can follow me on social media at From the Hawkeye. If I can find my banner here. Um, do, 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 do. Not seeing it. At From the Hawkeye. At from the Hawkeye on Twitter. I know it's here somewhere. Uh, I'll find it eventually. But uh, you can also find the podcast if you want to listen to this show as well as our uh, biweekly. Right now it's during the off season biweekly edition of Brada's Branded Thoughts weekly biweekly podcast. Follow it on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are um, on there every week, and we also post our live shows with the voice of college football, Mark Rogers, on that platform as well every platform basically out there if there's a platform that you're uh into that you like listening to podcasts or your music through and we're not on that platform just let me know in the chat and we'll make that happen uh again want to thank our sponsor for this first segment of the show that's under the kitchen randy angle doing tremendous work down in mitchellville and great gift ideas folks especially as we get closer and closer to football season People are going to get back in that mode. I'm already back in the mode. And how could you not be with the laundry list of recruits that were on campus this past weekend? If you're new to the show, my name is Corey. Appreciate you being here. Again, please tell your friends. If you don't have social media, at least tell your friends about what we're doing here. We are live with Mark Rogers, the voice of college football, every Tuesday over at the Iowa at the Voice of College Football channel. So it's a different channel. Uh, Mark does a tremendous job on the Iowa football front, but he does content for football college football across the country okay he's just tremendous if you haven't checked out that channel be sure to check out iowa at the voice of college football on youtube all right last thing before we dive into substance i'm going to open the call line all right this is the first call-in show we've done for a while the last edition of hawkeye hangout and typically i do a couple of these shows every month or we get you involved in the chat we get the the call line open as well typically um 
we have the call line open during Hawkeye Hangout. Last time we had a show was with Tony Rassiope. We wanted to make sure we kept focus. Tony was uh, a little bit strapped for time. We wanted to keep him to about an hour. He gave us about an hour and 20 minutes. If you missed that show, definitely go back and watch it because Tony Rassiope, private instructor for Spencer Petrus, excuse me, Petrus, and um, Art Sitkowski, and obviously Kenny Pickett, who's uh, possibly a star in the making at the NFL level um, with the Steelers. Um, Tony Rassiope, certainly an interesting individual, but uh, the line is open this evening. So let me throw the number up for everybody. If you're new to the show, 515-635-1601, 515-635-1601. And you are welcome to call at any point in the show. All right, let's get to the chat before anything else. Erica, good to see you here. Uh, I see Spark CW is here as well. Uh, Trey is here. Thank you, Trey. Culbertson clan wanting good news this evening. And believe you me, folks, uh, we're going to get more good news this week. I'm just telling you that right now without even running through the uh, commitments thus far, we are going to get good news this evening. And as I'm saying this for all you Iowa basketball fans, I'm seeing John Rothstein just released matchups for the 2022 Gavit Games, which is essentially the Big Ten Big East Challenge in college basketball. So if you're interested, I'll tell you. Iowa at Seton Hall is the matchup. So Iowa going on the road. They played Seton Hall uh, several years back in Carver, a game Iowa, I believe, lost. Uh, but that is breaking news. According to college basketball insider John Rothstein, it will be Iowa and Seton Hall. So the college basketball landscape, the, the schedule shaping up nicely. Joe. Good to see you here, Joe Welsh. Um, I see Chris Davis. Uh, we are here, Chris. Hopefully, you're you're getting the stream on your end. Um, Chad is here as well, and absolutely, bullies of the Big Ten. I actually used that term earlier uh, in the weekend, Chad, because of what I was doing right now from a recruiting standpoint and from an evaluation standpoint. I really like where I was headed where their minds are right now at the offensive line spot. And I think maybe we're underestimating the power of George Barnett. We can talk about that as well. Gary, thank you for liking the video. Cole is here. I know he's a Husker fan, but thank you, Cole. Drill MVP. Yes, please hit the like button if you have not already uh, done so. Yes, Mike, thank you very much. Hawkeye Howard is here as well. Hope you're staying safe uh, on the road. Hawkeye Howard. Ann is here. ZJ Wags. It's a good question to, to start things off. Are some of these higher-level O-line recruits a Tristan Wirfs and Linderbaum effect with being first-round picks? Uh, I, I certainly don't think it hurts, ZJ, right? Um, I will say this, though. Uh, we are not uh, Iowa fans are not immune to high draft picks, especially along that offensive line. I think of Brian Bulaga, Brandon Scherf, Robert Gallery. I mean, the list goes on and on and on throughout the Kirk Ferentz era. As we know, Kirk Ferentz, an offensive line guru, has done a really good job, regardless of who his position coach has been, at developing offensive linemen. And so I would like to think that uh, primarily the reason, I shouldn't say primarily, but a, a portion of the reason why I was having a little bit more success now might be because of George Barnett. But I think we need to provide a little disclaimer there on that as well. Let's remember that Iowa did very, very well in the 20, was it 21 class? Am I getting that correct? 21 class, yes, on the offensive line. David David Cobb, Jennings Dunker, Connor Colby played as a freshman, Michael Mislinski, 
And I, I, I'd have to go back, but uh, that was primarily Tim Polisek and Kirk Ferentz. So, you know, just like we've been critical, I've been critical of Kirk for several things that have continued throughout his tenure, the offense primarily just productivity for this offense and lack thereof. I, I went on the record and said, look, I mean, the one denom- common denominator here, it's not the offensive coordinator. Everybody wants to blame Brian Ferentz, although I think he deserves some blame, right? Everybody deserves some blame if you're a part of this, just like the quarterback deserves a degree of blame. Um, but the one common denominator for the last 23 years has been Kirk Ferentz. And so he he should take some responsibility. I think he has. I don't have any reason to think he hasn't. But I think you've got to give him credit as well, ZJ. He has been the common denominator throughout his entire tenure producing offensive linemen. And so now the the boost in recruiting, I think you have to give him some credit here because we've seen a, a couple different position coaches involved in Tim Polisek and George Barnett over the last few years. And I was come up with some nice classes. Now, if you land Caden Proctor, we're talking a whole different level of notoriety and recognition nationally that will, will be a national story. Regardless of where he goes, it's going to be a national story because he's top five by some metrics, definitely top 10 by every metric I've ever seen, every site, recruiting, ranking site out there. So um, certainly it helps um, to produce guys to the next to, to the league. Um, and when you have high first-round draft picks, I think about what happened with Iowa basketball this past week, the difference between Keegan Murray going top four and top 10. I think there's significant there's a significant difference there um, just from a national perception standpoint. So I think it helps. Um, CJ says, you see Iowa's playing Northern Iowa again, was kind of hoping with the so-called alliance, it would mean we could see Iowa, Oregon or something. And I don't know, really know what the, what is this alliance? I mean, I, I understand what it is, but I don't really understand. I don't really see the effects of it yet, CJ. And certainly we don't know what the Big Ten Conference is doing right now with divisions. We know that's in the works. Um, and certainly that has a large impact on scheduling. Will we get eight, uh, eight conference games and four non-con or nine and three like the current format is situated? And certainly that plays a factor. But yeah, I mean, who's going to get hyped up for Northern Iowa? And I, I don't have any problem with Iowa playing you and I, but when we get this announcement four years in advance, uh, I get have a hard time getting real hyped about the game as well. Um, springtime 0502 says he'll be calling in, Alex. Do so. Line is uh, open. 515-635-1601. Vernon is here as well. Um, And that's true. Vernon's great point here. Offensive line development can be certainly mask some um, shortcomings from the quarterback position. Certainly you have a run game. You look at what Wisconsin has done over the course of how many years with strong offensive lines. Um, They've managed to overcome at times mediocre quarterback play now they've had their good ones um i thought jack cone was pretty good until he left uh, graham mertz has certainly been underwhelming despite their recruiting hype there but you're right if iowa can get that run game going certainly you got to get i mean the, the offensive line for the record did not look good at spring practice from from what i've heard the tape i've seen i was not there in person i was recovering from shoulder surgery was not able to attend in person but everything i saw the offensive line looked very underwhelming now you can perceive that a couple different ways is that the defensive line dominating because they're that good? Um, or is just the offensive line not really performing up to par? They certainly weren't great last year. We saw that from basically game one to game 13, although I thought they, or excuse me, game 14, I thought they got better against Kentucky, albeit against a depleted Kentucky team. And speaking of Kentucky, I believe we have the one and only Drill MVP on the line. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm, who's on the line. 
Uh, it is Daryl MVP. How are you doing, Corey? I figured as much. I'm doing great, Daryl MVP. How are you? I'm doing good. So one of the things I would like to ask you about your recruiting class is I noticed the top four players currently are either athletes or offensive players. And with offense obviously being a key weakness, does this kind of encur- is an encouraging sign that they un- the Iowa coaching staff understands offense needs to be addressed? Well, skill position talent is my concern, Daryl MVP. I, I do think I've said that you, you've listened to my show long enough to know that I, I think Iowa has good personnel uh, along that offensive line. And I say that primarily because of that 21 class, um, specifically Colby, David Cobb, uh, Dunker. Those guys are, are, I think those guys give you a, a good boost at that position, whether we're talking interior or exterior right, or outside. You've got Connor Colby right now who's playing guard. Um, I think he could end up playing tackle. I know that I, it seems like Iowa wants him inside. Um, and Mason Richmond is a guy who too is really talented and, and young. But I think they're okay personnel-wise. I think that the biggest boost that I have seen is from a skill position talent standpoint, specifically at running back. Uh, what Iowa has done these last two cycles with Kendrick Raphael committed for the 23 class. Um, and then you've got... Um, Caleb Johnson from Ohio coming in this year, along with Jazzy and Patterson. All three of those guys at one time were were four-star recruits. Two of the three, are, are as of right now, are considered four-star recruits. And Jazzy and Patterson had a rough year at Deerfield Beach. Had a coaching change there, as my understanding, kind of uh, deflated his rankings. And then quarterback. Obviously, you probably saw our interview with, with Marco Linez. Uh, I'm very high on Marco. So I think it's those two positions. They still need to grab a tight end. They had a couple on campus this past weekend. But offensive line, Iowa grabbing a bunch of offensive linemen is not going to move the needle significantly for me just from a, a collective offensive standpoint. But if you can pair that with you know, better than normal skill position talent, because Iowa's not done a great job developing skill position players other than tight ends over the years, that's what would move the needle for me. Okay, and how... How uh, much do you buy into these early recruiting rankings? Because I know there's some people that buy a ton into it, some that buy none into it at all. So how much do you buy into the early recruiting? I, I don't buy into it at all for 24. Oh, what about 23? I think we're starting to get to that point. I mean, um, you know, when you have 12, 13, 14 guys in your class, I think y- you can start getting excited if you're still in the top 15 to 20. Um with that being said, there are, as you know, a number of highly recruited, highly ranked guys right now, Caden Proctor being just one of them, that could wait a while. I don't think Proctor will, although we don't know that for certain. Um, but those guys are going to move the needle for a lot of these uh, teams and and certainly going to change the rankings. So um, I'm, I'm very happy with where I was at right now in 23. I, I wasn't sure I was going to say that um, two months ago. But what, what, what they've done, I mentioned Raphael. Uh, I really like Trevor Lauk, who just committed yesterday. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy with where they're at. And I don't know where they're at. I don't know if Rivals. I think Rivals has got them right now top 20, I believe 17th last I saw. Uh, or maybe that was 247. I'm on 24-7. That's what I use. Okay. Um, and I believe that that, that oh, might be the where, – where are they ranked in 247 rankings? 17. Okay. So I don't know where they um, where they're at with rivals, but I, I think that's a good sign. Certainly, there's a, there's time left, uh, and Iowa's got to, um, you know, they've got to win some of these battles still. Again, tight ends a priority. 
certainly Proctor's number one right now. But Iowa's done well, as you mentioned. They've done well at the offensive tackle spot anyways with, with Lauk, and then they got the project kid from Illinois. Um, and they did well this past year at, at tackle with Kale Crow and, and Dotzler. So, uh, yeah, I, I think f- Iowa fans should be positive. That's why I'm on here talking about recruiting because I think there's momentum right now. Yeah, uh, they're fifth in the Big Ten, by the way. So kind of within the Big Ten, now there's some good teams behind them, but there's some really bad teams in front of them that I think are going to fall back. So, and, and let's remember, you know, Drill they, MVP, I'm not assuming Proctor. I mean, I, I for the record, you know I believe that Proctor is a Hawkeye. I couldn't get that one wrong. Yeah, I mean, yeah. who knows? But if he commits, that will – I don't know what it will do for the rankings, but I would think – It will it move them up significantly, I feel yes, like. Most correct. teams in front of them have at least one one-star. Uh, one five-star, excuse me. So it's going to help. But yeah. I think I think he will commit to Iowa. I hope he does. I really hope he does. So I, I will be pulling for him in that up uh, recruiting battle. And the final thing I'll ask you about, Cordy, is 24-7 also updated their bowl game proje- projections. Have you seen that? No, I, I'll tell you what. I'll just admit this right off the bat, and I love getting into early pro- uh, projections. I, I have a hard time getting into early bowl projections when we haven't even played a game yet. <laughs> but go ahead and well, tell me. This matchup will be a uh, um, uh, what is it? A movable object for uh, you know how they have that immovable object thing a conundrum. Immovable object thing. What are you talking about? Yeah, there's some old conundrum. What if you have an unstoppable force hitting an unmovable object? Well, who wins? Sure. Okay. That would be this bowl game because it's Ole Miss versus Iowa. Okay. So you would. You would have an unbelievable offense versus an unbelievable defense. And I think that would be a very intriguing matchup. And then what bowl game is that? Outback? Uh, Music City. Okay. A lot of Iowa fans would like to go to Nashville. I don't know that, uh, I don't know from a bowl positioning standpoint, that's where you want to go. But I think from a travel uh, standpoint, I think a lot, I know a lot of Iowa fans. I've, I've heard from a lot of Iowa fans that would like to go to Nashville. And they had an opportunity a couple of years ago. And as you remember, that, that game against Missouri got canceled. Yeah, I was going to go to that game. It was unfortunate. I Are you near Nashville? But, uh, no, but it's, it's not that far of a drive. So oh. I usually try to hit it up every year. I was let's, there. Let's, Last year with Tennessee Purdue, let me tell you, those Tennessee fans. And when, yeah, well, that was a heck of a game. Let's remember, too, prior to that game being canceled, the bomb that went off in downtown Nashville. You probably remember that. That was just weeks, I believe, before the game was scheduled to be played. Yeah, that was uh, frightening, to say the least. And I'm glad everybody was okay. I believe everybody was okay from that. Yes, I don't don't believe any, I don't believe anybody died. And I don't believe there was any significant injuries. So that, that, that's good, but uh, that's all I got for you, Corey. Good luck in the Big Ten, and hopefully you'll be able to get back up to the top two like you were last year. Let's do it. Appreciate the call, Drew MVP. Call us back. No problem. Will do. Appreciate the call from Drill MVP, and want to let everybody know this. We just got this in just moments ago via Twitter. Um. We've typed this into our banner so everybody's aware. Um, at 12 p.m., and I'm confirming whether this is uh, Central or Eastern time. So I believe this is Eastern time, but I'm not 100% 
certain. So I'm just going to put tomorrow at noon. Um, Jerron Tibbs. So Jerron Tibbs was a is a uh, three star wide receiver out of uh, the Indianapolis area. Area. He has just announced via social media that he will be announcing his commitment tomorrow at noon. Now, whether or not that's Eastern or or Central time, I don't know. Um, I'd love to uh, be able to tell you. I would say it's a good sign if you're an Iowa fan, um, but it, just because he's fresh off a visit doesn't mean he'll necessarily commit to Iowa. Um, have no insight on his recruitment. I can tell you this. Let me pull up um, his recruiting uh, info for anybody who's curious, and I'll go ahead and share my screen um, so everybody can see. And, and I'm like a drill MVP. I, I I try to look at 247 and Rivals and kind of compare um, the two sites. Um, see if I can get my my screen shared here for you. All right, Jerron Tibbs. So Tibbs, as you can see, a 6'4", 193-pound wide receiver out of Indianapolis Cathedral. Um, and as you can see, their future fan future cast, they don't have a future cast loaded um, for the Rivals team, but their fan future cast, Iowa fans, I guess, think that uh, he's coming to Iowa. Um, you see the list of offers. A lot of mid, I shouldn't say mid-majors, but group of five FCS schools, but you see some power five schools mixed in here. Purdue being one, Iowa being another. Um, certainly you can steal him from Purdue. That's a positive. He was just at Purdue a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, we know Iowa has lost out to Purdue on some wide receivers. David Bell being one major one. Iowa was high on David Bell. For anybody that doesn't know that, they were high on David Bell. He ended up going to Purdue we know he was sensational. Iowa more recently has lost recruiting battles. Uh, I shouldn't say recruiting battles, but transfer portal um, players, specifically Charlie Jones, a wide receiver, Tyrone Tracy at wide receiver. And so Tibbs will announce tomorrow at noon. Um, and I should know this, whether or not Indiana is East Coast time or <laughs> Central time. Um, I can find that out here. I'm sure somebody will tell me uh, in the chat. Uh, Indianapolis is Eastern. Okay, Indianapolis is Eastern. So my guess is that that's noon Eastern tomorrow. Um, and I hope I'm not giving you faulty information. But uh, according to Jerron Tibbs on Twitter, he will be announcing tomorrow at noon Eastern time. So good information to know there. Call line is back open, by the way, 515-635-1601, 515-635-1601. So the recruiting weekend that we uh, launched this show in response to, and I was going to make a list of this and actually share it um, on my screen, and uh, the list is so long Um that I figured I would just kind of rattle through this and then answer questions, answer calls. We know the biggest storyline is uh, Caden Proctor. Um, certainly everybody's following Proctor's decision. You know, will that come soon? I happen to think it will. Um, I have nothing besides just a hunch. Um, the people that I've talked to that are in the know, more in the know than I am, have said that the visit went well. This past weekend, we know Caden Proctor standing at 6'7", about 330 pounds. I believe uh, one of the two major sites has, excuse me, has uh, 
Caden Proctor listed at 6'8", 335. So he's a mammoth of a man. We know he's a five-star kid. All these kids are, are 23, by the way. Trevor Lau committed to Iowa yesterday at 6'6", 287. Four-star kid, offensive tackle. Kenneth Merriweather, defensive end, um, heard his uh, visit went well, too. Um, he's listed at 6'3", 235. He's a three-star defensive end out of Detroit. Asa Newsom, an Iowa kid, linebacker, listed as an athlete on some sites. He's listed at 6'4", 205, a three-star athlete. He's also on campus. Logan Howland, teammate of Marco Linez. He was on campus, listed at 6'7", 280. He's a three-star offensive tackle. Kendrick Gilbert, he is a 6'3", or excuse me, 6'5", 270-pound defensive end. Um He's a three-star kid. He was on campus. Chris Tarek, another tackle at 6'6", 295, was there. Safety Khalil Tate, a 6'1", 185-pound safety, was on campus. Zach Ortworth, a tight end, um, 6'5", 220-pound tight end, a three-star tight end. Iowa could use a tight end. They've missed out on a couple guys, Mac Markway being probably the biggest name. uh, Jerron Tibbs, we mentioned, he'll be announcing tomorrow at noon Eastern. Trevor Brewer. A defensive tackle, 6'4", 265, was on campus. Another tight end, George uh, Burheim, I believe I'm pronouncing his name correctly, 6'5", 215, a three-star. And then Jordan Allen, a 6'4", 240-pound defensive end, a three-star recruit. All those guys were on campus. That information, um, according to Rivals Database, and um, that's what I can tell you. If I'm missing a name in there, that is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 guys. I may have missed somebody in there. Um, if I did and you know about them, please let me know. I'd be happy to uh, add them to the list. Uh, we do have a call here at Hawkeye Hangout. Uh, thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? This is Alex from Cedar Rapids. Alex, how are you doing, buddy? Good. Doing pretty good. How about yourself, sir? I'm doing good, man. This is a exciting time. I mean, usually uh, you're not, uh, I mean, obviously this is a heavy recruiting period every year, but um, with the momentum and Iowa's opportunity to land a five-star kid, I think Hawkeye Nation is buzzing. I feel the same way. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I, I'm kind of with everybody. I think Caden's, you know, with you, I think Caden's going to be a Hawkeye. Um, you know, I, I found it funny that uh, I listened to a lot of other, like, uh, like 24-7, like Bud Elliott and all cover three podcasts and all those, you know, and they're, you know, going on live with like a four-star commit to Miami and Alabama. I'm kind of curious if Caden Proctor commits to Iowa, if they make a peep about it because it's, you know, Iowa. Um, but that's a good question. You, you know, say that it asked the question again, you were talking about like these, these custom edits or what, what I missed the first part of your question. Well, so, so I listened to the 24 seven sports and Bud Elliott and oh, the Bud cover Elliott. three podcast. Okay. Oh, and like every time, like, you know, when Archie Manning uh, committed to Texas and they had another guy, a four star, I think committed to Miami or Florida State, they went live on, you know, breaking news kind of thing, went live and talked about it. You know, it's when Xavier Wampa committed to Iowa, you know, no one, I didn't hear a a word out of any of those guys because it just, there seems like to be an Iowa bias. It's like we get a good player. It's kind of like a, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel you. Um, you got to recognize too, though, that uh, Arch Manning is, you know, given his last name, and yeah. given given the position he plays, um, 
And I believe the kid you're referring to uh, with Miami is also a quarterback. Is uh, you're referring to the kid that committed, I believe, yesterday? Uh, I think so. I thought he was defensive, but I could be wrong on that. Well, they landed a they landed a quarterback this week. They've landed a Miami's buzzing right now. They're recruiting. Talk about uh, making a comeback. Uh, Miami seems to be doing well on the recruiting trail. Crystal Ball coming up with the goods when he needs them. Um, but yeah, you know, you're right. There, there might be some bias, but part of that is you're, you, yeah, maybe there's some bias against Iowa, but I think there's also bias for the Blue Bloods, right? I mean, tech. You were talking Texas and Miami yeah. here, right? Um, oh yeah. No, Caden Proctor, when, when and if he commits to Iowa, it will be a national story. It'll be a national story if he commits to Alabama. Um, I've seen some people on social media basically saying that, oh, he, you know, he's he's got a much better chance at making uh, his his name known at Iowa. I, I don't really believe that. I think. He's probably, I haven't looked at the national recruiting rankings real closely as of late, but I can tell you he's probably one or two on Alabama's board right now. I probably one. Um, so if he commits to Alabama, it's a national story. If he commits to Iowa, it's a national story. Um, I, I don't think it'll be as big of a story as Arch Manning. Um, but again, I think that's yep. given the position. No, but, uh, you know, Curry, there is a reason, uh, uh, ulterior motive, why I called. I actually have a bone to pick with you, sir. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> so, I, so I've been you're, listening you're not every the, Tuesday. Hey, listen, with, you're not the only one. <laughs> well, I've been listening to every Tuesday with um, uh, you and Mark and then the the opponents that Iowa face, and I yep. think it's pretty awesome that, you, you know, we get to see it, uh, you know, a couple months early, and then obviously we'll see it in the middle of the season. But the when you had on Michigan, I can't think of the guy's name, Steve Days. Yes. He made a comment, and you didn't call him out for this, but he made a comment at the very beginning of the show that I caught that he said, he stated that no one on Iowa's roster would start at Michigan. Now, I believe, now, I believe for the most part that is true. That I believe that most of Iowa's roster, yes. But you're telling me like Jack Campbell, Xavier Wampa, Riley Moss, you know, any really any of the linebackers would not start at Michigan. <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't think any of the off- offensive players, maybe you could, maybe Keegan or um, Keegan Johnson could, you know, maybe be a two or three wide receiver, but you're going to tell me that none of those defensive players on Iowa's roster would start at Michigan. Uh, okay. So here, here's, here's what I remember. Um, and I'll have to go back and listen to that. Alex, but what I remember Steve Day saying is that the one position Iowa may be better at is linebacker. I believe he did say that. But he did say, state at the very start that no one at Iowa's roster would start at Michigan. I okay, remember, specifically remember that because I, I, it caught my ear. I'm like, oh, I was hoping you would catch him on it, but I don't know if you missed it or he, because he went on for a little while and maybe it was just kind of lost and, you know, lost in the, yeah, in the transcript. But no, I, I Here's the deal. I, I mean, I don't know. Then that's why we. Re, that's why I try to rely on guys like Steve Dace, who know the Michigan roster much better than I do. But Alex, I, I don't know that that. Like, yes, I, I would. I would probably without even looking at who Michigan returns at linebacker. I would. Pro, I would venture to say that Jack Campbell, maybe even Seth Benson, uh, may end up being starters if they were on the Michigan roster. But you're you're going to tell me that you think well I, I know you just told me that you think Riley Moss would start for Michigan. I don't know about that. I don't again I, I don't know said, who who Michigan returns and I get that Riley Moss was defensive back of the year. I'm not as high, let's just say this, I'm not as high on Riley Moss as some people are, 
Um, but where else are you, where else? Okay. So maybe we can make an argument that Riley Moss, who else is going to start on Michigan's roster without even, I, I know we're not, we're, we're, it's hard to have this debate because we don't have the rosters and the depth charts in front of us, but who else on I, who on Iowa's offense would start for Michigan? Keegan, Keegan Johnson is probably the only guy I could maybe, see. Maybe Sam starting. Laporta, maybe Sam Laporta. Yeah, I could, I can see him too. Sure. But I, I mean, yeah, out of the entire offense, those are really the only two that I could you know, arguably see, I don't think anybody else, maybe Arlen Bruce, but that's a lot. I think that's a long shot. I think, but yeah, I, I think Laporta and I think you could, I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong about Riley Moss, um, but I, I'm just not as high as some people are on, on Riley Moss. So yeah, maybe I didn't call him out for it. Um, but I do remember him saying something about, uh, he believes that possibly Iowa has an advantage at linebacker and he's biased, right? I mean, he's a Michigan fan, just like I'm an Iowa fan. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think that maybe is selling Iowa a bit short without looking at who Michigan has returning at tight end, uh, because I just don't know Mark Rogers would know better than I do. But I think Sam Laporta would have a decent shot, and certainly the linebackers and maybe Riley Moss. But after that, uh, you know, Kayvon Merriweather I think is a good safety, but he's got to take a jump. I don't know who Michigan has back there um, on the along the defensive line. Everybody's hyped up about Iowa's defensive line. They got to prove it to me. I don't know. Losing Iowa's best pass rusher in Van Valkenburg, who was, I think, at best, a a slightly above average defensive end in the Big Ten. I don't know anybody on that defensive line for Iowa that scares me. So I can kind of see where he's coming from. I I like what I saw from Joe Evans. I thought Joe Evans last year was a better pass rusher than Van Valkenburg. Now, he didn't see as much playing time as Van Valkenburg, so I think they... Keyed, I think most teams keyed off on Van Valkenburg, you know, double, you know, double teaming him or, you know, chip blocking him. And then when Joe Evans got in, he's kind of a new face. No one really know what his skill set was. I think he's, I thought he was a better pass rusher last year, you know, maybe just for that simple fact of teams didn't know how to defend him. So I, I would put some money on that. Joe Evans could have a breakout year this year and be, I don't think he's going to be an Aiden Hutchinson or um, I can't think of the other guy's name from Ojabo. Michigan, the other, Ojabo. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be to that level, but I think he's going to be a disruptive force on that line. Just, I, I, I liked what I saw from him last year, and I hope to see you know maybe he'll improve a little bit with his hands and his footwork, getting yeah, to the quarterback I, I a little more. I don't have a problem with that estimation. What I will say is we have to recognize the fact, and I like that the fact that Kelvin Bell and this Phil Parker and these guys do this, but Iowa loves to run six, seven, eight guys along that defensive line. And not all Big Ten teams do that, but Joe Evans is undersized, as you know. And part of the reason he's not playing every down is because he's has been, at times, a liability in run defense, run support. So, you know, and that's part, I think partly, I think you can attribute that to his size. So I agree, but part of the reason he's so effective at what he does is because he's got a niche, he comes in on third downs on obvious passing situations, he's fresh, and he can tee off on the quarterback. Whereas, you know, other other guys, you mentioned Ojabo and Aiden Hutchinson, those guys have to do it all. They're in their every down defensive lineman. So um, when you don't have the advantage of having those types of guys, yeah, I think how Kelvin Bell runs his system and Phil Parker as well with, with guys like Evans and guys like Nate Meyer, if you remember him, I believe that was even maybe before Kelvin Bell, right around the time he was hired. But they've had some of those smaller, undersized Parker Hesse um, was an example although he became a good run stopper. Sometimes you got to develop these guys and, and what they are in there for early is to pass rush. Yeah. So, I, but I'm, I, I'm kind of 
uh, going to be looking out for him as the season comes along because I think he could be one of Iowa's impact of deep defensive linemen. I mean, we're turning th- three of our three out of our four starters, so that I think that bodes well. I know our defensive line didn't put a whole lot of pressure on the quarterback or get a whole lot of sacks. I know we did all right in the pressure category, but we just think get to the quarterback. Yeah. <clears throat> so, but I I'm expecting an improvement there, and I think this. I'm kind of I'm with the hype of Iowa's defensive line. I know, you know, in the spring game, the Iowa's defensive line kind of manhandled the offensive line. So I don't know what that says about even you know either or, but I think this defensive line is going to be I think what it's hyped up to be. And, and Alex, last you, 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 let me just ahead. add this in real quick, not to be devil's advocate here, but you do remember what Don Patterson said observing some of that spring game action is he said, the good news is the defensive line looked really good. The bad news is they were going up against our offensive line. <laughs> so. Yeah. So like, I don't know, maybe I was defensive line is extremely good or maybe I was offensive line is going to have another down year this year, which um, I, I that, think that's, it's, that's another, I think it's probably somewhere in between. Is that safe to say? I think the offensive line probably isn't quite as bad as it looked and the defensive line. Maybe is not as, quite as dominant as it looked but i do agree with you and cj brings it up in the chat lucas van ness looks different he looks the part um could he be that next drew Ott type I, I don't know maybe um and if you can have a guy like that um i was better when they have at least one guy who's a dominant edge rusher and they didn't have that last year van valkenberg was good but he just wasn't he's not a dominant edge rusher in the big 10 conference he's a bit undersized as well he's a high energy guy um, but he's not A.J. Epinesa. He's not Anthony Nelson. Uh, he, uh, he's not Chauncey Golston. So if they can develop a guy like that this year, no, I think it'll help. I think Logan Lee's got some upside with his size. Um, I've heard good things about Noah Shannon in the spring. Uh, Y.A. Black is a guy who had a lot of hype when he came here. And again, physically, he looks the part. John Wagner, talk about looking the part. That guy looks the part, and he, his clock is ticking. No, they got bodies. I, I'm with you. And if they can utilize those guys and give Joe Evans – not force Joe Evans to have to play every first and second down, but really utilize him on third. No, I'm, I'm all for that. And we're not even bringing up the freshman Aaron Graves who I'm, you know, I'm very high on. Yeah. So I, I, I think I was defensive line is going to be astonishing this year, but maybe my last point I wanted to make, I saw some video of um, Spencer Petrus at a training camp with paint uh, training camp with Peyton Manning. And I, I, did we not see this last year where he was, uh, in a camp with a pretty hot, a pretty high, um, high ranking NFL quarterback, ex quarterback that he was in camp with. And, you know, then we got the results we saw this last season. So I, do you, do you think he's going to be, do you think this is going to help or is it just kind of, you know, are we just, you know, putting lipstick on a pig at this point? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, I don't know how to answer the question um, because last year, uh, I know Tony Rassiope. I remember t- reading this. Des Moines, he spoke with the Des Moines Register and basically told the Des Moines Register that he thinks Spencer was going to take a big jump. And I didn't see it, although you do have to weigh the fact that Iowa's offensive line was not very good. Um, I still think Iowa has a problem, and we don't talk about this enough. Iowa has a problem with receivers getting separation. Um, that's a factor. But no, Spencer was not good last year. There's no question about it. So I don't know how to answer that question. I, I am frustrated, just like Don Patterson talked about this on the show. Uh, we keep talking, bringing up Don's name, but he was on the show with Mark and I, and you remember him saying the same thing I did. The fact that I, we didn't get to see each quarterback against equal competition during spring is extremely frustrating. Um, yeah. And 
I hope that behind closed doors, Alex Padilla and Joey Labus, because we keep hearing, well, Joey Labus doesn't know the offense. Well, Alex Padilla does, right? And if he doesn't, then we got some serious problems. So there's no reason why those two guys couldn't have taken equal snaps, snaps unless Spencer Petrus is the incumbent starter. And I think that's probably the case right now. I'm assuming Spencer is the starter. Do I think he's made some vast jump? I don't know. I know we, we've heard that he's trimmed down and that he's taken it you know, more seriously this year, which would imply that he didn't take it very seriously last year, I guess. So it's just a wait and see. Uh, I think it's clear that he's never going to be a real mobile guy, um, but he needs other pieces around him working specifically on that offensive line. And right now, I don't have a ton of confidence based on what we saw in the spring, but I do have confidence in personnel. I think potential is there. And I've heard great things about George Barnett. We're seeing it on the recruiting trail. So we'll see. I, I don't, I, I, I just don't know how to answer that question. We'll have to wait, and we probably won't really find out until that Michigan game because I don't think Iowa – I mean, Iowa State's defense has lost a lot. Um, You're going to be tested a bit against Rutgers on the road and South Dakota State at home, but I don't think you're really going to get a test until you get that rematch against Michigan October 1st. You know, I'll say that I don't think Iowa's going to have too much of a problem with Rutgers. I I mean, I know you go back to uh, 2016, but – how many players on the tw- that are still there from 2016? I mean, you, I mean, granted, you have a COVID year, so you might have a super, super senior, but I, this Rutgers offense was horrid. I mean, it was very comparable to Iowa's. Their defense was really what won them seven ga- or excuse me, five games. And I was, but Iowa's defense is better. So I, yeah, but isn't that, isn't that the, whole, the same as 2016, Alex? It was like 14 to seven. So I mean. Yeah, it's, that's 2016. We're we're six years ahead now. No, but it's I'm just saying, totally if we're talking about a teams. if we're talking about a strong Rutgers defense and a strong Iowa defense and two offenses that can't move the ball, I mean, we're talking about two of the least productive quarterback rooms in the Power Five, not just in the Big Ten. So if we're just going off that, that's why the Rutgers game scares me because they do play defense. I expect them to be improved. Another year under Shiano, who I like, is and I think he's a little bit underrated in this conference. I'm just saying, I'm not saying they're going to lose, but I do think. I think that's a, a trap game because it comes before the Michigan game. I, I think the game that scares me the most is actually South Dakota State. That oh, one scares yeah. me more than anything because it's like, oh boy. Lots of, there's some sneaky oh. ones on the schedule. No question about it. Yeah, but um, you know, uh, you know, uh, going back to Petrus, I think you know Alex Padilla when he came in last year, I think he did provide a spark. The one thing that you know, obviously, everyone talks about is that he's he's a mobile quarterback. I think when you have a bad offensive line, you need some type of, I don't know, band-aid to kind of help cover it up until things get actually healed. But, but anyways, I, I feel like I've been on here a little too long, taking up some time, but Hey, I appreciate take, uh, you taking my call and I uh, look forward to seeing you uh, tomorrow with, um, oh, who do you, who do you have on tomorrow? Who's I got next Purdue? Uh, that's a good question. So uh, I'll, just, I'll just admit that Mark, scheduled our guests for tomorrow so uh, i believe it's ohio state no no it's not ohio state nope it's uh so you had on illinois um northwestern is it northwestern <laughs> i don't know uh, <laughs> we, we we've got somebody coming on tomorrow that, mark's got a media sorry, guest that, for tomorrow. that that loud boom was a firework it is uh ohio state it is ohio state it's, a, it's not ohio state they yeah is it really okay yeah all right so yeah we'll have an ohio state guest on yeah so tomorrow should be fun 
Well, well, unless you count the off week, then you won't have anybody. But otherwise, yeah. No, we, we we need to get. Uh, if we go at this rate, we'll be going into camp and still previewing the season. So no, we'll have a guest on tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Again, thanks for taking my call, Corey. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, Alex. Thanks for the call and the great call so far. Um, and I'm going to keep leave the call line open five one five six three five sixteen zero one. 515-635-1601 to recap the weekend. Uh, and I'm going to answer this next call and then I'll uh, yammer here for a second. So the call line is tied up at the moment. But to recap this weekend, you've got Trevor Lauk, who's already committed, four-star, and you could argue the second highest rated recruit who was on campus this past weekend. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn there. Caden Proctor, the clear number one. But Lauk, a four-star, and Iowa nabs him. Um, last night, six six two eighty seven. Uh, I, I, if you missed the video earlier today that I released on Lauk's tape, check it out. Hear it from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Um, and again, I've heard that Kenny Kenneth Merriweather's um visit went well. Sounds like Logan Howland's visit went well too. So, uh, boy, Iowa looking good along the offensive line uh, as Howland is a six seven two hundred eighty two hundred eighty pound offensive tackle from. New Jersey. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Lomansky, Corey. Lomansky, how are you, sir? I'm good. It's a beautiful, uh, beautiful week of weather. Uh, just want to compliment you on having Tony Rassiope on. Uh, I know somebody in the chat a while back said he's a rental, rental QB teacher, which I found very humorous. And, uh, I guess I felt better about what he does uh, to quarterbacks in the summer, you know, pick it at Pitt, and and he made a good uh, explanation of how that guy improved. Uh, he stressed, Rassiopi stressed the unit, and I really thought about that hard because he stressed an offensive line, play calling, wide receivers getting open, you know, he made that's a legitimate. That's a legitimate take, and I respect that highly. However, with the, if you look at, let's not just take the offensive unit. Let's take all three units and say, if you don't have something, you lose your wide receiver to Purdue. You have an offensive line with hope, but not solid. What you do have, and I guess I'm spurred on and motivated by Marco Linez's interview. I just, sometimes you hear people talk and you just, your light bulb goes on and you get excited because you know they're the right kind of people, regardless of talent level. And if you're going to go out on the field this fall and you've lost your best wide receiver, you're trying to get the offensive line time to approve, which they will next year. We, I'm out of I'm out of patience with this. I'm out of patience with this. I'm not going to say him by name. The starting quarterback's going to improve. You've got to. You've got to come in with with a. Like Don Patterson says, what is your talent in your young quarterbacks, and have packages and get them on the field if you got a lead and see, see what you got. I refuse to believe that Alex or Joey, even Marco as a young quarterback. There's freshman quarterbacks in the Big Ten that come out and, and can play. And when you look at the rankings of Mark Rogers, 
I couldn't even listen listen to the whole thing because he ranked the the Big Ten quarterbacks and the Big Ten, and I like that that he's kind of distanced a little bit from the Iowa program, and he's a Buckeye. I have no patience by game three if we don't see some packages and some time to see what these young guys can can do under pressure. Uh, I thought he listen, Lemansky. I thought he schmoozed you because you weren't you pretty positive after that Rassiope interview. Well, yeah, he kind of tricked me. <laughs> well, you don't know. We don't know yet, right? We don't know. I mean, he. What if he's right? What if? What if Spencer Petrus is the next Kenny Pickett? <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Okay. He had the same freaking lingo a year ago. How he's gonna take? <laughs> I remember the conversation. How he's gonna take a leap? My whole point is to kind of take it a little bit away from Spencer Petrus, and let's look at it logically from a head coach or a strategic Hayden Fry look. What do we got and what do we don't got? And if we don't have a strong offense or a top 10 quarterback in the Big Ten, hell, Illinois quarterback Mark Rogers had ahead of us. Damn near threw up my dinner listening to that. You've got you've to have an angle, a strategic angle to, okay, what do we got? We got young talent on the bench with a mobile quarterback, and I just want to point out to Alex, Joey, you know, we had Padilla on the field last fall. He sure as hell didn't suck. Well, he wasn't. Well, he wasn't good, Lemansky. I mean, he I, listen. I think he was better. I, I'm with you on that. Collectively, I think he was better. But the numbers say he was pretty mediocre. I mean, he. I don't think he. I. I think he was under fifty percent completion percentage. I mean, he wasn't well, good. Well, you put me on your call-in show and let me do one or one or two shows, and people will tell me to get the hell off the air and get get Corey Brada back on. But you give me the appropriate amount of time to get the shakes out of there and just be comfortable. Are we supposed to give? Are we supposed to? I'll say his name. Are we supposed to give Spencer another year to get comfortable and improve and make a leap? We 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 missed an opportunity last year, Corey. In my in my gut, we missed an opportunity. Well, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I, I do believe that the the competition should be wide open. You've heard me say that a number of times. I, I don't know that it really is. Um, every time Joey Labus's name has been brought up, uh, we basically get the answer that, well, he's just behind because he doesn't know the offense, which tells me that's the coaching staff's way of kind of trying to calm down the hype uh, because there has been some hype around Joey Labus because he is more mobile and I've heard good things about his arm. Um, but everything that I've been told, like it or not, Lomansky, everything that I've been told is that the players collectively really like Spencer Peters. Doesn't mean they dislike who's behind him and they're against getting them on the field right. a little bit. To you know, why can't we play for two years down the down the road? Well, you know, Mark, you brought up Marco Linus. He's not here this year, so I mean, he won't be here until next year. And you do have Carson May coming in this year. But I mean, do you expect a, do you expect Kirk to to play a, a freshman quarterback that didn't even go through spring? I don't. I mean, I don't even. I think it's it's a it's a it's a far fetched idea to believe that he's going to even play Joey Labus. Um, I hope that that Labus is given an opportunity, especially if Petrus struggles. Somebody, you're right. You, you, I don't expect this. To, if if Spencer struggles early on, then you have to make a change. You have to. There, there is no way around that, especially given the schedule. If he's struggling in September 
against the likes of South Dakota State, Nevada, Iowa State, and Rutgers. No, you need to make a change because it's going to get a lot tougher once you hit October. Corey, I want to sit beside you in the stadium with a beer and about game two go, would you rather watch this or watch paint dry offensively? (laughs) I know what you say to me. You turn to me and go, well, let's go get some popcorn and come back when the defense is out in the field. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I, I really think that the patience level, I think last year was a good indication of we need, not a gimmick, we need a strategic attack to help this team win, a, win the Big Ten West with a lot harder schedule. And I'll tell you right now, I'm nervous as hell. Because all those other Big Ten quarterbacks have 10 better quarterbacks, according to Mark Rogers. They're getting better, too. You're right. Yeah. I mean, seriously. Like, let, let's, and let's, and it could happen. He's got a good long ball arm. Let's say Spencer takes a leap. What, from number, did Mark Rogers have him 11, 12, to number nine in the Big Ten West, number eight? You know, I'm sick of the Michigan arrogance and Ohio State arrogance. I'm freaking sick of it. I want results on the field. And I'm I'm probably more charged up about next year because I love what the assistants are doing in recruiting. So now I'm picking on my age bracket, the Hayden Fry age bracket fan. Let's get with the younger generation and say, let's do something different. Don Patterson talks about if the youth are equal in talent, put them on the field and Andre Tippett in his third year ended up playing for the Patriots and playing his Super Bowl and Hayden Fry's third recruiting year, Andre Tippett. We haven't had an Andre Tippett in years. I mean, I guess I'm holding, I love our assistance in the basketball program. I love our assistance in the football program. Can we, can we be innovative instead of vanilla? I'm sick of vanilla ice cream with, with the, with, with the strategy. Well, you remember, I, do you remember the full? You remember the fullback play that didn't work? Yes. Okay. I was so happy. I didn't even care if it didn't work. I just loved that we tried. That we had innovation. That we had. God, wasn't? Didn't you just like? Even though it didn't work, weren't you like? God bless the whole coaching staff for having guts. Uh, yeah, I didn't love the fact that they they ran a halfback pass to a fullback over his shoulder. I didn't like that. But I do like the fact that they tried something different. I don't like the fact that that was the only thing different that they tried. Yeah, but no, that's you. You need to uh, you need to change things up. It's not all about trick plays, but you're right. They it, there needs to be some going against the grain. And I do believe you've heard me say this, Lemansky, because you listen to the show every week. You've heard me say that I do believe we're going to see a different attack. I'm not saying they're going to go spread and they're going to be throwing. You know, it's going to be an air raid. No. But I do believe we're going to see more downfield attack because I think Kirk recognizes Kirk is no dummy. He understands that this is not going. There's no way Brian is named the next head coach at Iowa, and that's the ultimate plan. There's no way that's going to happen if the offense is sucky. Okay, <laughs> let's just put let's just put it frankly. So the offense has to be better. The fans have to see something different. The donors have to see something different. And so I think even though I don't have a ton of confidence that it will work to the extent that it needs to work. I don't not saying definitively that it won't, but I do believe we'll see more downfield attack. 
I think there will be more. I think they'll. My guess is that they will utilize Lavar Woods more in special teams with uh, more of what we saw in the 17, 18, 19 seasons with more trickeration on special teams. But I do think we'll see more of a downfield attack, and I think that's you know that's it, good. That's good. I mean, that's a good thing. But it's still you still need time. You still need your quarterback to make the throw. You need your quarterback to have time, which comes back to the offensive line and you need your receivers to gain separation. And all three of those things are big question marks. I think right now. You mentioned my, my viewpoint of Rassiopoli. What was yours after that conversation? Um, I think Tony, uh, uh, my, my viewpoint of Tony Rassiopoli is that he's a very, very well-spoken individual. I think he's a really nice person. Um, I've had conversations, several conversations with Tony off the air. And I think he's a very, very nice person. Um, I, I have no doubt that he's a good coach. Um, I, I would also acknowledge the fact that he's a salesman, right? These are his clients. That's what they are. So I'm not going to go all in on, wow. I, I mean that he just, you know, he just, uh, you know, rubbed me where it hurt. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to go that far. I do believe, I do believe that, He's being factual that Spencer is working hard. Um, I believe that he's uh, factual when he says that Spencer is very likable, that he's a tremendous human being. However, I I understand the fact that he's a salesman. And so I have to see it on the field before I really believe it, that that there's going to be a significant change. And that is the frustrating thing. And you remember me saying this late in the season, Lewanski. The frustrating thing about Iowa's offense is it's not just quarterback play. It's the offensive line. It's play calling. It's receivers. It's clock management. Like all those. So that's the tough thing. I mean, you got to, it's not just one problem to fix, um, but it starts with quarterback. And I, I really liked his unit comment, but if that, if that, if you, if you buy that, and I do buy that unit statement, there's even more logic to do what Purdue did and play multiple quarterbacks and show different looks and, and go your standard offense and then do something really wacky and then change it up. I mean, I think we could have won the Kentucky game with just a little bit different look, but I'll hang up because I've talked long enough. And uh, I like your optimism tonight. I had to bring you down a little bit to reality that next year is going to take a little more imagination because of a harder schedule. And I like, I like more imagination, several areas instead of uh, let's, let, let's be afraid that we don't make, we don't want to make mistakes. So let's not, let's not put too many chips on the poker table. Let's let's keep it close to the vest and maybe we can hit a field goal in the end and win. Lomansky, did you say, did you say next year? This year, I mean, yeah, I'm at this it, fall. Say, it's June 27th, Lomansky. It's this year. <laughs> we're, we're two months away. But then you you see how nervous I am about this season by saying that. <laughs> Don't be nervous. Be excited. There is, it's still something to be excited well, for. Well, let's land let's let's land this lineman, and then maybe my next call I'll be I'll be less uh, urgent to change things up. And enjoy Sounds your show and keep up the good work. Sounds good. Thanks, Lemansky. Appreciate the call and uh, great calls this evening. I appreciate everybody who's chimed in. The line is back open five one five six three five sixteen zero one. 515-635-1601. If you want to talk Iowa football and we're talking recruiting, 
And um, we've gotten some news over the past hour. Um, one being... Well, we've got another phone call coming in. One being um, the announcement that... The Three-star wide receiver Jerron Tibbs, 6'4", 193-pound, 193-pound three-star wide receiver for the 2023 class, will be announcing his decision at noon Eastern tomorrow. He was on campus this past weekend, so uh, that might be good. We did see that uh, through his profile on Rivals that he also visited Purdue, and certainly Purdue is the hometown school, about an hour from where Jerron Tibbs plays high school football. So we'll wait and see, but we'll get an announcement tomorrow from Jerron Tibbs. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Zach or ZJ Wags. Hey, ZJ Wags. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. So, first of all, I did see your interview with uh, Tony and also with uh, Steve Dace. I did like the uh, little dig on Michigan baseball that you did with Steve Dace. <laughs> um, hey, had, had to be done. Had to be done. Had to be done. Um, and I don't want to turn in. I, you know, I hate turn wolves, turn into a Spencer Petrus defender. Um, yeah. I do think it's, it shows of someone to say that they want to go somewhere and learn from someone maybe like Peyton Manning. Absolutely. To try to get better. And I do wonder, because I know he was injured, I think I think Tony said his shoulder was somewhat messed up. Yep. That who knows how long that shoulder was messed up for. And if they if he just wasn't saying anything. Um, you know, my hope is that that's the case um, and that he does take that jump forward because I don't think – I think they got to a line on that defense because that defense was playing – out of that, out of this world for what the six first six seven games, you know, four or five interceptions a game, something that no one sees. Well, uh, Zach, let me <laughs> just say this: um, if that's the case, if if Spencer was as injured as you're <clears throat> implying that he possibly was, shouldn't Iowa fans be mad at the coaching staff for playing him? Yeah, and having had, I've I've torn the labrum in my shoulder, and I played in co-ed softball when I did it, and yeah, it it does affect. Even a minor little tear affects everything. Wait, wait, wait. Was it you, you, was it a torn labrum? Is that are you just saying speculating? No, what that's it was? what I had. Okay, because that's what I had. That's what I, I had the same injury. That's why I was curious because I don't remember ever hearing <clears throat> that Spencer had to undergo surgery on that shoulder. And if it was tore, um, I would expect that he, that he would have undergone surgery. Um, so, but no, you're right. He was hurt because remember he missed that Northwestern game. He played part of it, which again was kind of a strange that he even started that game when he was hurt. But he played part of that game, struggled, and then according to what Tony Rassiope said, he was almost back. He was still late. He was still ailing a bit against uh, Illinois, and the coaching staff elected to go with uh, Padilla. But um, I I don't know where his health was um, the rest of the season. But if if his health was less than 100%, then I, I disappointed in the coaching staff because there was not a significant enough gap between him and Padilla on the field that, that it would defend playing a guy who's hurt. Right. And, you know, I, I like to listen to your interview with Tony, you know, it does sound like Spencer is, is mostly a stand-up guy and I can only imagine how he felt probably hearing all the heck from Iowa fans and, you know, probably the, some of the worst of comments. Um, one of the reasons I think I know why, probably why Kirk kept them off of social media to keep them away from that stuff. Um, but do you think if, if the offense just ends up being 
decently good this year. Do they have a shot at the Big Ten West? What's decently good? Better than last year. <laughs> I mean, you, you can't be worse than last year. I mean, it's it'd be very difficult to be worse <clears throat> than last year. The numbers say they were one of the worst in the Power Five. Or, excuse me, they were one of the worst in the FBS. So, yeah. um, no, I, I think here's what's crazy, and I haven't made any predictions yet on my channel, but I do believe Iowa's got a shot at the West. But I have went on the record and said if Iowa's offense isn't um, significantly better, <clears throat> they have no chance at 10 wins in the regular season, and I stand by that. Um, however, if they do improve and i'm talking you know they're 100 they finished 123rd in total offense last season in the country in the fbs if they can get that number to top 80 and i think that's probably what you're talking about right top 80 maybe yeah. uh if you can get that number to top 80 yeah i think hmm. you can win nine or ten games and i'm not ruling out winning nine games with the offense they had because i think the defense is going to be really good i just don't know how you can how you're going to knock off michigan Ohio State, Wisconsin, and then I, I that leaves you no margin for error. Um, I mean, because let's remember, Iowa got trounced by two of those schools last year, and then the other one that he didn't play might have the best offense in the country in Ohio State. So um, I do believe Iowa has an opportunity to win the conference at nine and, or excuse me, win the division at nine and three because of the fact that Minnesota and Wisconsin both have difficult schedules. Purdue's the one dark horse; they have a very favorable schedule. Um, but yeah, I think they have got a chance at winning the West regardless. Yeah. And, and I, I totally agree with you. And you know, I mean, if that defense can play out of this world, like it did last year, except for part of the Michigan game. But as, as I think even Steve Dace pointed out, nothing a defense can do when they get off the field and 30 seconds later, they're back on. Right. <laughs> um, Cause yeah, they did keep that as Steve Dace did say, they kept that game. If they had any sort of offense, they could have had a chance of winning that game because it wasn't a blowout at half. Right. I think it was what fourteen to three. I believe so. Yeah, uh, it was a um, two-score game. I can tell you that. Because they were down at half against Penn State, and yes, I know Polly people say had not Sean Clifford gone out, I will probably lose that game. But injuries in the big injuries in football happen. What if Iowa didn't lose Riley Moss for two or three games? I mean. You could play all those conjectures all day long, um, and you know I remember I'm I'm old enough too to remember the last time Iowa had a lot of five star recruits. I think it was back in '06. Remember that's when we got Jay Christensen, and it's kind of the same situation that Petrus was in now. They let Jay Christensen. I believe he started as a freshman. I think he played his entire freshman year, and then Ferentz finally I think said I've had enough, and then we got Ricky Stanzi. Um, and <clears throat> he turned out pretty well, Yeah, but I'm not willing to completely throw in the towel on Peters just yet. Oh. I just hope that, I just hope that offense, cause, and I know I'm probably not the only IO fan who says it. I think you've said it too. Just way too predictable. Yeah. I, I, I could, I could watch it on TV. I go, yep. Here comes a run to the right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it was that easy to predict that I, you know, with the one person who said that, you know, no, I, no Iowa starters could start in Michigan. I could, Tory Taylor could start in Michigan. Grant, Tory Taylor can start any team in True. Division One. He is, he is, he was the game changer against Penn State. And I think a partial game changer against Iowa State. I agree with that. No, um, I, but, but here's that, the deal. It, let's acknowledge this, though, as great yeah. as he was, 
uh, if I recall, Purdue had a, or excuse me, Michigan had a really good special teams unit. There's a lot of good punters across the country right now, but you're right. I think he would certainly have a, an excellent chance at starting at Michigan. Yeah. And, you know, like as my comment earlier said, with whatever sport, whether it's wrestling, bas- both sides of basketball, because Lisa and Fran are really stepping up their recruiting, it's hard not to be excited as an Iowa fan. Um, even with, you know, someone like Keegan Murray leaving, because, you know, that team would be just as loaded this year, but um, can't, can't deny a guy a chance to go when he's a top five NBA pick. Right. <laughs> um, and if they can get the whole NIL stuff cleaned up, especially with losing recruits because of it, gosh, those, all, all four of those, including, including some of the non-revenue, including baseball, because I know they've signed a couple people. I mean, Iowa sports seems to be on the up and up, and – I think you said it too, being in the Big Ten championship game, at least for basketball and football as well, um, it's it's exposure. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I, I've gotten into it with some people. I got into it with somebody today on YouTube that uh, was, you know, uh, it was in response to uh, a video that I did on Keegan Murray being drafted and it brought up the Richmond game. And I, and I just... I understand people's frustration, but we have to acknowledge the fact that just like you acknowledge the fact that Iowa football won the Big Ten West, Iowa basketball did win the Big Ten tournament, and I think that's an accomplishment. And we put so much stock in singular <laughs> things that sometimes we forget to appreciate the moment um, and forget to appreciate what these teams are accomplishing. With that being said, it doesn't take away from the criticism that's deserved, deserved, right? I mean, there is criticism that's right. deserved for Kirk Ferentz, and there's criticism <laughs> that's certainly deserved for Fran McCaffrey. Right, and and you're kind of a little off topic. I do believe the Big Ten should maybe do basketball a little more justice, maybe move the tournament up a day or two. I agree. Um, yeah. Because you're asking people to play on Sunday, three or four games in four days, and you know then they're turning back around playing Thursday. No, well, what Richmond Not, in in Richmond's defense though, they did play Sunday as well. They won their conference exactly. tournament Sunday. Um. But I think, yeah, and I think I think the Big Ten would be well served to do that because the women's tournament's over by the Sunday prior. They could start on Monday and play two games, have an off day, and championship on Saturday. Because if it didn't, if it didn't make an impact on the selection show, then what was the point of the game besides exposure? Yeah, I mean, again, if 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 that's we're that's a fair question. If we're basing almost everything on the tournament, because some people would say. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten championship right. is an accomplishment, just like getting to the Sweet 16 is an accomplishment. But I know that the people nowadays don't really think of it that way. They just they want tournament success, and uh, and specifically the the NCAA tournament. They want success in uh, uh, late March. Right, and maybe and maybe some of those fans forget the and we all kind of want to forget the Todd Licklider years because um, yeah. those just erase from our memory. Right. Um, and and let but me anyway, you just for yeah. a second, because I did just get this information in since you just segued to basketball for a moment. I know this is a football show, but this just in Iowa basketball just offered a 2024 four star shooting guard, Kurt Tang, <clears throat> uh, Kurt Tang, a four star out of Massachusetts. Iowa's done very well out there, um, certainly in the East Coast with uh, <clears throat> the likes of DeSante Bowen. Josh Agundale, they've been very active in the area. So Kurt Tang just reported an offer from Iowa. So just thought I'd throw that into the mix. Yep. And like I said, every, every coach seems to be doing their, their darndest right now in recruiting. And 
it's it's hard not to be excited with the four and five star for football, even though Iowa's been developing one and two star recruits for the past twenty years to be NFL stars. Because I don't believe Kittle was a, I think Kittle might have been a one or two star. Yeah, he's um, not highly recruited. So no, and, and, and look at to, him now. <laughs> to, to piggyback off what I said earlier, um, the fact that Iowa's done well at quarterback, in my opinion, well at quarterback and recruiting. Specifically for the 23 class, well, 24, honestly, the 22 class, you could argue they've done well. I'm, I'm not as high on Carson May as some people are, but Carson May, Caleb Johnson, Jazzy and Patterson, and then for 23, Lanez and Raphael, they've done well at those two positions. So maybe that's a good thing because you're right. They develop tight ends regardless of their star rating. What they need right. are, are more polished quarterbacks and more polished running backs. I think that's fair. And if, and if, and if Lanez, and I saw your interview with him as well. Great head on his shoulders for a kid his age. Um, if if he is Brad Banks 2.0, good Lord, <laughs> is all I have to say. Well, um, and I didn't mean to imply that he is going oh, to be no. the next Brad Banks, but the way he plays, I think right. it, it <clears throat> gives me shades of Brad Banks. And just the fact that he told he said on the show that that's who he looked up to and who he, em, he emulated, I just thought was ironic. Well, it, it was... You know, besides 2016, it was the last. It was, it was really almost the last time Iowa changed their offense. They did under Drew Tate. Well, you have to when you lose five running backs to ACL injuries. But you know, it was more of a little bit more spread with Brad Brad Banks because yeah, he could take off and get you 30. And yeah. they didn't have a deep receiving core. Basically, I think Mo Brown and C.J. Jones. And Dallas Dallas Clark doesn't hurt either, um, and that very very dominant defense. Um, but but anyway, um, good talk, good talking. Um, yeah, like I said, excitement. Hopefully, hopefully, Caden Caden does what uh, everybody hoping he's going to do, and you know we'll just keep turning him out an offensive line and uh, offensive line in Iowa and getting first round draft picks. Absolutely. Appreciate the call, sir. Call again. Yep, have a great evening. Take care. Great calls this evening. Gary uh, bringing that up. Yeah, strong calls this evening, uh, Gary. And um, to everybody, the line is back open, 515-635-1601. almost forgot the number. Uh, I am here for uh, the remainder of the 8 o'clock hour, if everybody wants me to be. (laughs) If uh, nobody uh, wants to stick on that long, then uh, I I would be happy to uh, power down early. But... uh, We've got 108 people on here and appreciate all the uh, commentary in the chat. Um, I do want to get to a couple of questions that uh, I missed earlier. CJ, um, he says, I don't know how well you've been keeping up with practice, but have you heard anything about Peters being the legitimate starter? Um, Nothing specific, CJ. However, um, the signs point to the fact that Spencer is the starter. I think there's been several questions uh, from the media over the course of the uh, last few months uh, about the QB situation. And it's basically been implied that uh, Spencer is the front runner. And until I hear otherwise, he is the starter. And I'm not saying that's what I want or what I don't want. I'm just saying that's, that's the, the gist of what I uh, have heard. Now, Matthew says uh, any word on Proctor and thank you, Matthew, for complimenting the show. Um, Nothing from Proctor specifically. I, I said on a recent segment that I do believe we'll get a decision soon. Now, if he waits until August, I'll be eating my words. I could be totally off. Maybe he will. But 
Um, I have not heard anything from Proctor. We'll just have to wait and see on it. But certainly, um, I was got an opportunity because they got him on campus and they're in the final two. So I'm I'm positive about Kate Proctor still. I heard his visit went well, but we've got nothing official. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Who's on the line? Uh, this is Alex. Um, uh, like Lock and Proctor start for Iowa. Say it again one more time. Would Lock and Proctor start for Iowa? Well, let's projecting forward. Certainly, I think Proctor will day one. I've said that. I, I think he's a generational talent. He's a five-star, obviously. I think he'll start day one. Um, Lauk is an intriguing guy. He's got the size. Uh, he's got good footwork. Um, you know, he's he's. there's going to be a bit of a learning curve, I think, for him with, with pass blocking, maybe a bit. Now, maybe I'm selling him short in that regard. Um, but they're they're just going to be, especially if Proctor gets here, they're going to be loaded at tackle. So it, chances are that at some point Lauk will start. I think that's fair given his, um, gi- given the player that he is, and and um, you know I, I don't know what the future is after Proctor's done because I think Proctor will be here three years. Lauk may be here four or five. Um, Marco has to be stunned. What's that? Marco Linez has to be Marco Linez has to be happy. Yeah, and Marco Linez has also got a teammate of his, Logan Howland, who could end up committing to Iowa as well, and he's a tackle. So they're gonna be they're gonna be loaded at that position. So that's why I don't want to say definitively that Locke will end up being a starter. But yeah, I could see a scenario where, hey, in twenty twenty four, it's Proctor and Locke on the book in tackles uh for Iowa. Absolutely. All right, thank you so much. Go Hawks. Appreciate it, Alex. Go Hawks. And uh good question. Um yeah, I mean, when's the last time we could say that uh, Iowa, uh, that, I mean, honestly, when's the last time we've said that Iowa is loaded at offensive tackle? As many, the, the number of linemen that Iowa has produced to the league has been phenomenal. However, Iowa has had a problem with having really dominant offensive lines. As much as that's the perception about Iowa, Iowa has not been dominant on the offensive line for a very long time. All right, they won the Moore Award in what 2016. I didn't think that line was very good. Um, so I, I do believe that we'll see. I do believe that we'll see um, in two two to three years, uh, assuming they can these guys stay healthy and they stay committed. Especially if Proctor comes here, we're going to see one of the better personnel offensive lines, if that makes sense, um, for since a very long time ago, uh, and I'm talking probably pre-2010, um, at least projecting forward. These guys got to play. They haven't even gotten here yet. I get it. Um, I like the personnel here. I said that earlier in the show. I like the personnel we've got here right now with David Kov and Mislinski and Colby. Um, I know a lot of people are real high on Richmond. He's got to prove it to me on the field. He didn't. I don't think he was very good last year, although, and he was young. They got bodies. They got to play. They got to play better. Justin Britt's another guy who's got to play better on the interior. Um, they did lose Linderbaum. They lost Ince. They lost um, Shot. So they they got to be better. But uh, no, as far as uh, potential, they've got a lot of it. 515-635-1601. 515-635-1601. Um, Steve, Steve Sport comments, grain of salt time, but I've heard that Petrus has been much better this spring with a faster release and check down timing. And I'm with you, Steve. I've heard a lot of great things, but uh, I need to see it on the field.
before I'm going to be bought in. Joe says, any update on Charlie Jones? Uh, Joe, other than, other than the fact that he is enrolled at Purdue, um, I expect him to start. I expect him to start on special teams. I expect him to start at receiver. As you probably remember, Purdue lost David Bell. They lost their top receiver heading into this year due to academics. So I think Charlie Jones has an excellent chance at starting on offense. I think that's probably why he went there. He's got uh, chemistry with Aiden O'Connell, those guys' previous teammates. And then I think Tracy's got an opportunity to start as well. Erica says, would love to know why we're having trouble attracting tight ends. I thought we were tight end you. Great question, Erica. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know that I would say we're having problems attracting tight ends, but Iowa has lost some battles to some bigger schools. The kid that uh, whose name escapes me that just committed to Miami a week or two ago. You know, Miami, if Iowa's not my uh, tight end to you, then certainly Miami probably is. And then Mac Markway was lured by the LSU appeal, and maybe NIL was a factor in that decision. Um, but uh, they'll get somebody. They'll get somebody. And they've got two guys coming in this year in Astringa and Vanderbush. I am high on Astringa. I don't know as much about Vanderbush. I mean, I've certainly have looked at tape of Kale Vanderbush, but um, yeah, uh, they'll, they'll get somebody and they know how to develop that position. So I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned about tight end. They have lost guys though with Miaman transferring. Um, they lost uh, the kid from Texas whose name is escaping me as well. And that's going to bug the living daylights out of me. Uh, El- Elijah Yelverton. I knew I'd think of it eventually. Elijah Yelverton gave up football. This past spring, uh, they did land. Uh, let's remember, Erica, they did land the kid from Lafayette, Stilianos, who will be here, who's there now, uh, as far as I'm aware. So, no, th- th- they'll be fine at tight end. Uh, depth is a concern um, for now. I mean, it's a concern because you only have two guys who have played in an Iowa uniform that that are on scholarship. They've only got three scholarship tight ends, not counting the freshmen. So uh, three non-freshman scholarship tight ends, but they'll be okay. They'll develop those guys, and as long as Laporta and Lachey stay healthy, they'll be strong at that position this year and, and probably moving forward. Uh, Kenneth says, when are you having Coach Don on? I'll have to uh, ask Don, Kenneth. Um, haven't talked to Don lately about that. I've spoken with Don, but haven't talked about having him back on the show. Would love to have him back on. Certainly we'll be having him on in August, previewing the season. There's no question about that. So, uh Stick right here and over at Iowa, the Boise College Football. Those t- those two channels, these are the two channels you need to be locked into from the Hawkeye of the Storm and Iowa at the Voice of College Football because we'll be with you throughout the summer and into fall. Joe's cap says, why does the media respect Husker football more than the Badgers in Iowa? Year in and year out, can anyone explain that to me? I'm a Badger fan, but respect Iowa a lot. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Joe. Um I think a lot of that is the Nebraska media is extremely, extremely passionate about Husker football. And there's Iowa media people that are homers. Uh, I don't consider myself to be a formal media person and certainly with the Iowa media, but uh, I, I admit that I'm a, I'm a fan first, right? Uh, I think Husker fans and the media are so used to uh, football being religion over there that I, I do think that has an impact in how um, the national media perceives these schools, um, certainly with with Wisconsin and Iowa being steady Eddie, but not real flashy. That that's a factor as well. Um, I think Kirk is. I think people like Kirk and and Paul Christ are fine with flying under the radar. I mean, let's keep the pressure on Nebraska. 
Now, I will say this, Joe. I think Nebraska is going to be a lot better this year. I might be totally off. I could be totally wrong. But I think Nebraska is going to have a chance at, at making a bowl game this year, maybe better. If they don't, then Scott Frost needs to be fired. Um, it's a do-or-die year for him. Destiny Pirate says, Go Hawkeyes. How do we not repeat 2021 giving away the Kentucky game burned more than the Florida Sun? Uh, well, I think Iowa fans would be happy going 10-2 and again, Destiny Pirate. But... As it relates to the last two performances, uh, one against Michigan um, and one against Kentucky, uh, the Kentucky game was an odd ball game because you're 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 evaluating Iowa against a Kentucky team that was missing some of its starters due to injury and different circumstances. The Michigan game was so lopsided, and the defense was put in such a difficult position. And then let's be honest, the two games they lost in the regular season were blowouts with Wisconsin and um, Purdue. So. Um, I think the bottom line is the offense needs to get better. I mean, I'm stating the obvious, but it's got to get better. It starts with quarterback play, but uh, I think maybe Iowa's more concerned with offensive line development, which is fine because that needs to get better as well. But I do believe it starts with quarterback play. If they run the ball well, look back at 2020, and I know that was a COVID year, but they ran the ball well in 2020. Offensive line play was really good in 2020, whether that was a result of the offensive line just being better or other off- uh, defensive lines not being very good. I don't have the answer to that question, but they ran the ball really well. And they went six and two, won six games in a row, and were dominant in a lot of those games with Spencer Petras at quarterback. So let's remember that if Iowa can run the ball effectively, they're going to be much better. Um, they don't need to be elite offensively, but they need to be better. And I think they will be if they can run the ball effectively. Right. That's just that's what I was predicated on. And they got a chance to do that. I mean, they've got talent at, at running back. I like the Williams guys. I almost call them brothers every time I bring them up. They're not brothers, but with the two Williams backs, um, and I think Caleb Johnson's got a chance at playing right away, and maybe Jazzy and Patterson. I like personnel. I like personnel offensive line. I like personnel at running back, but they got to prove it, right? They got to get out there and actually prove it. Um, CJ says, I think Brian is given a year. If he doesn't do it, they'll hire the Colorado State guy, John Budmeyer, put Brian as a position coach. I don't see that happening, CJ, because I don't see a demotion happening if anything brian will get a job somewhere else uh kirk will help him find a job somewhere else would be my prediction if it doesn't work out this year and i think john budmeyer i don't have any reason to believe that john budmeyer's got any offers right now but if you caught a recent segment here on this channel you'll know that john budmeyer after this month is not going to have income at least not from colorado state not from iowa um that i'm aware of now iowa may start paying him i'm sure they probably will if he stays here but uh, he was under contract through the end of this month with Colorado State. So he was making six figures, like three hundred twenty-five grand a year. Um, he was getting paychecks every month from Colorado State. So he was able to work as a volunteer here. Iowa didn't have to pay him. Had Iowa paid him, then Colorado State would have uh, paid him less. So there was no reason for Iowa to pay. Uh, but after this month, we'll see what happens. We'll see what uh, he ends up getting paid. That's a question mark. CJ says, isn't Petrus a senior? No, he's a, he's, well, he is a senior, I believe, right? He's a senior, but he's got an extra year if he wants it due to COVID, CJ. Um, he's got an extra year if he wants it and, and if Iowa is willing to take him back. Um, Steve says, Spencer is the QB. Everybody knows that there's a chance Padilla never plays another snap and Joey transfers when the younger kids come in. So Steve is convinced of that. Um, Rich says uh, CJ Stroud's numbers were video game in the Rose Bowl in just one half. Yeah, again, brought up that's the best offense maybe in the country that I was going to be going up against in uh, in October. 
Um, Rich says I was an elite quarterback away from being contenders. I agree with that. They were contenders last year in a way, won the division. But uh, yeah, exposed in the Big Ten championship game. CJ says, what happened to Wildcat? Uh, good question. I don't know what happened to Wildcat. They used it a lot with Tyler Goodson. My problem with the Wildcat is they never threw out of it. So what are we running Wildcat if you never even give the threat of, of being able to throw? So that that's... Uh, but yes, I would like to see them, uh, if they're going to use the Wildcat, throw out of the Wildcat. Kenneth, is Iowa getting in on the NIL transfer portal to improve the team? Well, we've talked about portal at length, right? So they've got the kid from from Lafayette, the transfer, Steven Siliano. So that's the only transfer portal guy they brought in this year. They haven't lost much. That's the only guy. They've lost six scholarship players to the transfer portal. Uh, I've heard good things about NIL. There were rumors circulating about Caden Proctor in Iowa and NIL. I'm not going to go into that right now because that's not my report. Uh, I have not been able to confirm that. Um, but there have been specu- there's been speculation out there that uh, Iowa has uh, arranged a deal with Caden Proctor. But again, I don't know that for certain. But Iowa is trying to get a collective together. In my opinion, they went far too slow, but it is happening. Um, Keegan, have you heard anything about Iowa's NIL deals? I've heard rumors that Iowa's... Okay, so I was a little behind the chat here, Keegan. Yes, that's what I've heard as well. Uh, there were there were rumors circulating out there that uh, there was this big package and a car involved. That seemed hard for me to believe, given Iowa's struggles with NIL and basketball. But you know, if these private donors, here's the thing, Keegan, if these private donors and or alumni want to throw a bunch of money at a at an individual recruit, I don't know what's stopping them. Like it doesn't have to be formal through the University of Iowa. Why can't you know the CEO of Syngenta say, hey? Caden, if you want to come to Iowa, I'm going to give you, we're, we're going to donate, you know, 500 grand to you. Now, I don't know if that's actually happening, but I don't see anything in, in legislation that's current that stops that from happening. And why would you, why, if you're Iowa, why would you not want that to happen? I mean, like, it's not your money. Let, let it happen. So from an organized standpoint, I really don't know. I'm not real up to speed on um, where Iowa's collective is right now, but I was told it was going to happen this summer. It was going to be in place. Um, The sports nut. A couple more crystal balls. The crystal balls, isn't that? I think I believe that's two four seven that uses the crystal balls. Says uh, Caden to Iowa, and um, like I said, I've heard good things about uh, several other recruits. We're going to get a decision from Jerron, um, wide receiver Jerron. Um, no, of course I'm going to forget his name. Tibbs, Jerron Tibbs, from uh, Indianapolis. We'll get a decision from him at noon Eastern tomorrow, so at 11 a.m. Central Time. Uh, I think we're going to get a decision from um, a defensive end fairly soon. I think we're going to get more decisions than maybe we anticipate this week. Um, but um, yeah, I, I've I've been on this train for the last week or, or two, the sports nut, that I was going to land Caden Proctor. I'm not 100% certain on it. I don't think anybody is, maybe the other than him and his family. But um, I do believe Iowa will land him. We'll see. I think it'll be soon. CJ says, I'm going to get heat for this, but Petrus being injured the whole season wouldn't be surprising. I feel like at times they hid the injuries and didn't say anything. Remember Bethard? Well, again, I don't know the excuse, CJ, because there was a difference. I don't think Iowa was real confident in who was behind CJ. There was a young Nate Stanley there in 2016. We know that there wasn't a huge gap between Spencer and Alex this past season. So if, if Spencer was hurt, there was no reason that we that we got the rest of the year with Spencer Petrus. 
So uh, if that's the case, shame on the coaching staff. And I don't have any reason to think that's the case. But if we're speculating, then uh, that's what I would say. Trosper says, Iowa got a lot of breaks last year. They won a lot of close games. That's for certain. No question about it. Galen, you're forgetting how he rallied the team to come back and beat Nebraska last year. Galen, I'm, I'm going to give this to you that he did lead the team to a win against Nebraska last year. Alex Padilla did not play well in that game. However, um, Iowa broke that game open with a long Tyler Goodson run that set up a, a, a rushing touchdown. I believe it was a quarterback sneak from Spencer. And Spencer made a couple nice throws in that game. And so I think you can argue that, yeah, leadership helped coming back in that game. However, I do believe that maybe we make too much out of the quarterback change in that game. Would they have won with Alex Padilla? Who knows? Um, Rich says credit the defense for the Nebraska comeback. Hayden says credit special teams. It was a weird game. I do give Spencer Petrus credit, but we give too much credit to quarterbacks when teams win and when they lose. So, yeah, maybe we're giving too much blame to Spencer for the Wisconsin and Purdue games. There was much more involved in those two losses than Spencer Petrus, but I think maybe we make too much out of Spencer Petrus coming in the second half against a Nebraska team that, you know, they lost a lot of close games, but what, they ended three and nine? Um, but yeah, no, Alex Padilla struggled. There's no question about it. And the defense struggled early. They gave up a touchdown early in that game, which they had the habit of doing last year. Yeah, there, that was a, it was a, a crazy game as Joe brings up. Um, Trosper brings up the division conversation, perhaps no divisions in the near future. The sports nut. Do you think that Kirk is sheltering Labus because he's an underclassman? Or are Petrus and Padilla truly the best on the roster? I'd love to be able to answer that question, Sports Nut, because uh, you, we've heard so much hype around Joey Labus. But the fact of the matter is that when we had an opportunity, a glimpse into Iowa football this past spring, we did not see equal snaps against equal competition. In other words, Spencer Petrus took the majority of the snaps against the ones, Padilla took a few less, and Labus took even less. Every, if I recall, every offensive play for Joey Labus, every pass play was a rollout right. So I don't exactly understand why that is. Certainly, that tells me that I was not real confident in Joey compared to the other two guys, but I don't understand the downside of giving every quarterback equal snaps against equal competition because if you don't have that, I can't answer the question, sports nut, because I don't know. There's no way to evaluate when you have a quarterback who puts up great numbers against the threes and a quarterback who puts up crappy numbers against the one, because that's exactly what happened. Petrus didn't look good against the starters. Labus looked good against the third stringers. I don't have an explanation as to why things were done that way this spring, other than the fact that I was just convinced that Spencer Petrus is the starter. And that's been a frustration of mine since it happened. All right. I uh, got about 25 minutes left here. The number is 515-635-1601. 515-635-1601. If you want to call in, ask a question, comment, whatever the case may be, we're talking Iowa's 2023 class and Iowa's big recruiting weekend, although we've been kind of all over the map. Um, but Iowa, a number of prospects on campus, several offensive tackles, one of which has already committed Trevor Lauk. Uh, a Hawkeye, a four-star kid out of Indianapolis, committed last night. Proctor, no decision from the five-star as of yet. A um, couple in-state kids, I believe. Asa Newsom being one of those guys. Um, Logan Howland, teammate of Marco Linez, was on campus as well. A couple tight ends and uh, Jaron, or excuse me, uh, Zach Ortworth and George Burhine. 
Um, and then a couple DNs as well. Kendrick Gilbert, Jordan Allen, a D tackle, and Trevor Boer, three-star guy. Um, and uh, Kenneth Merriweather, forgot him as well. I think we're going to get a decision from, from Merriweather pretty soon. But we'll see. We will see. Three-star kid as well. All right, when we come back, we'll be right back. When we come back, we'll be talking Iowa's 2023 class. What we're going to do is we're going to run through who Iowa currently has committed and talk about needs. We're going to look at the 23 class as it currently stands and discuss needs moving forward from the weekend that was and the year that is ahead because Iowa still has, I shouldn't say a year, less than a year. We're looking at more like, what, six months until the uh, – final recruiting or final signing day, I should say, uh, signing period. You got the early signing period this December. So more like six months, but recruiting needs moving forward. We're going to look at the class coming up. But first, a word from our sponsor. Take a moment to talk about health and performance optimization. I've decided to partner with Ascent Nutrition because of its unique approach to human health. Now, Ascent is endorsed by several neuroscientists, doctors, vets, and even strength and conditioning coaches across the country. Now they've got organic coffee, which is mold and mycotoxin free. It's full of pure, clean, rich taste, and it's healthy for you. Algae oil DHA, it's used to support brain health, memory, focus, proper nervous system development in young children. It's even healthy for pets. And lastly, they have their unique wild-crafted pine pollen, which supports cardiovascular health, hormonal function, and a healthy libido. Click the links in the description below and use the code Hawkeyes to receive 10% off your order from Ascent Nutrition. So appreciate Ascent Nutrition. Thank you everyone who is here right now talking Iowa football and the recruiting class that is shaping up to be a good one. Uh, Iowa very highly ranked in the 24 class as well as of right now, although I don't really read too much into that. They've done well in the state of Iowa with some under-the-radar kids nationally, but it's early. The class is so young, um, but the 23 class looking good. So what I'm going to do is share my screen here, and we're going to take a look at the 2023 class as it stands right now. All right, this is who Iowa has committed right now. And hopefully you can see this. Um, well, we'll get, let's let's move me to the side. Well, let's not do that. Well, let's let's just stick with that. All right. So Iowa, of course, we know Kendrick Raphael, uh, a kid I am high on for this twenty three class out of Naples, Florida. Um, I, I'm confident that Kendrick Raphael will play early, given his size. He's five eleven, one eighty. I was doing a nice job with these tweener backs right now landing some of these kids who, um, I mean, Kendrick Raphael is going to have to get bigger. I mean, he's not going to be playing Big Ten football at 180, but but he shows good agility on tape. He shows the ability to break tackles. He's got good speed. At least it appears that he's got good speed. He plays at a good level of high school football in Naples. I think he'll play early. Remember, it's easier for running backs to play early um, as opposed to other positions. Trevor Lauk, the commit from this weekend. We've talked about him at length. Marco Linez, if you missed the interview here on the show with Marco, um, check it out. He, he is a well-spoken young individual. Reminds me on tape of Brad Banks and how Banks played, and that certainly that's high praise for the Hunt School product. Uh, and he at one time was a four-star as well. Rivals has him, or excuse me, this is 247. We're looking at 247 Sports has him as a three-star. Alex, Alex Moda, 
uh, desperately need help with skill position talent. Uh, right now, Alex listed as a um, three-star athlete. He's a quarterback in high school, interestingly enough. Now, I think he'll play wide receiver his senior year, but he is a wide receiver in the making. 6'1", 175, got really good speed. He'll be a Hawkeye in 23. Leighton Jones really helped. And my understanding is that he is very close to Trevor Lauk. So his connection being an Indiana guy, I think, helped Iowa land Lauk. Leighton Jones, another defensive guy who's moving to center. At least that's the idea. He'll be playing center at Iowa at 6'4", 250. So he'll need to get a little bit, bit bigger, but they like him as a center. Chase Brackney, um, Colorado guy. Sounds like the connection with Alex Padilla because he also played at Cherry Creek. Uh, Chase Brackney he's a Hawkeye. Ben Queter, local kid from Iowa City. Uh, I believe Ben is a wrestler, although I'm not as familiar. I've not spoken with Ben. Linebacker projected as a linebacker at 6'3", 220. Maddox Borcherding Johnson, one of the earlier commits. Defensive lineman from Norwalk uh, is coming in the 23 class. John Nestor, safety slash corner from Chicago. Uh, he's coming in as well. Aiden Hall, an athlete from Harlan, which is a football-rich community. Uh, he'll be coming in as well as an athlete, Zach Lutmer, who I believe was very instrumental. He was on campus this weekend. And by the way, the guys that I mentioned this weekend that were on campus, these 23 guys, those were just guys that have not committed. A lot of these guys, Zach Lutmer, uh, I believe David Kalker, Aiden Hall, those guys were all here as well. So there was these players were recruiting this week for Iowa. Uh, also, David Calker from Des Moines North, edge rusher at 24256. I like David Calker as well. Guy who's kind of flown under the radar from a national perspective, not ranked according to 247. And then Cannon Leonard, who is a very intriguing prospect uh, at 6'9, 265. I do wonder a bit because of his size whether he'll be able to play offensive tackle if he ends up being 6'10 or 6'11. But Boy, that's a interesting problem to have to have a guy who's six foot nine playing tackle. I think it's an intriguing one. Uh, Lomansky, thank you for this, Lomansky. The super chat says, "Keep the faith, Hawkaholics. Make my day, Mister Proctor." So, um, thank you, Lomansky. And uh, I tell you, if Iowa lands Caden Proctor, we will be here talking about it live. I can tell you that. Uh, may not be right away, but uh, I'll, I'll do my best uh, in that regard. Um, the line is, I'm going to open the call line back up here, 515-635-1601. We're with you for the next 15 to 20 minutes. So if you have any questions or comments, give us a call, 515-635-1601, or throw it up in the chat. Aaron says, a crystal ball for Kenneth Merriweather. That's not surprising. That's what I've heard. Uh, I'm assuming crystal ball, I, I don't want to speak for you, Aaron. I'm assuming that it's one of the major recruiting outlets, although that's you saying this, not me. I know that some of these recruiting sites are pay uh, paid subscriber uh, sites only, so I, I don't want to speak for who you're talking about, but I've heard good things about Kayvon, Mer or excuse me, Kenneth Merriweather. Different Merriweather, not related to Kayvon, spelled differently as well. Um, let's see if I can find... Uh, Oink Oink is here. Good to see you, Oink Oink. Um, Yak of 22, would you be open to trade Ohio State Caden Proctor for a five-star wide receiver? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, no, not, not as it currently stands, Yakov. I'll tell you why, because if you don't have a line to protect your quarterback, it doesn't matter if you have a five-star receiver, 
um, on the outside. Now, with that being said, Iowa has done well away from Caden Proctor with Lau committing the guys they have now, and then they got a couple um, more projects, I think, with Cannon Leonard and Kale Crow and Jack Dotsler. However, I do believe you still take Proctor, but certainly they could use a five-star receiver. I wish I didn't have to choose, um, but it's a good question. Cole is here, says, uh, what do you and other Hawkeye fans see as the biggest problem with Nebraska football? That's a great question. Uh, I would say coaching, Cole. You're not going to like that, but when you lose a bunch of close games, uh, I've heard Scott Frost on numerous occasions kind of throwing his players under the bus. To me, that that's just gives off a bad vibe. Um, but again, I, with that being said, we'll see. He's used the transfer portal well this offseason. Uh, it's now or never for Scott Frost. Um, Eric, good to see you here. He says, I'm going to give the Spencer the benefit of the doubt. Eric, I saw you in the comment section. I, I believe I saw you after the Tony Rassiope interview, and you were inspired by the words of Tony Rassiope. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you were. So we'll see. I'm not giving up on Spencer Petras. I, I was very outspoken about the fact that I thought Iowa needed to go to the transfer portal during the offseason. They did not, but I do like Iowa's future personnel with guys like Labus, Linez, and then you have more of your traditional uh, quarterback in Carson May. Um, I would be surprised if Petrus takes an extra year and starts next year. I don't think that would go over real well with the fans, but if he plays well this year, then certainly that's uh, up for discussion. Thank you, Kenneth. Appreciate you being here. Uh, ZJ, do you think having non-conference being the first game instead of a Big Ten game will help with more development? That's possible. Uh, but Iowa hasn't dropped a home opener since that 2020 season. And I think that's the only time they've dropped a home op opener that was a Big Ten game. Um, now, last year, they opened with Indiana, dominated. As we know, Indiana was a train wreck. But, um, yeah, I would rather I would rather start out with a, a FCS opponent, although South Dakota State's tricky. Uh, I think we're maybe people a bit too dismissive of, of South Dakota State. Lemansky, how much better can the defense be if the offense can have less three and outs? Chuck Long stated Kentucky won the Citrus Bowl due to defensive exhaustion. Well, Lemansky... Good question. How much better can the defense be? Uh, it can be better if the defensive line gets better, uh, can get a better uh, pass rush, although the secondary, I don't know how the secondary can be much better. It was tremendous. Linebacker play is going to be really good again. I don't think there's a, a huge jump that that defense can, can make. I don't think the ceiling is much higher than they were last year. But again, I do think it can be somewhat better. The offense can help the cause, though. You're right, with less three and outs, not putting the defense, pinning the defense back against its own end zone, against its own goal line. Um, but yeah, it can be better, but, uh, it was really late last year. Um, Eric, imagine being a four to five star quarterback being recruited and you find out the quarterback coach was a lineman has zero quarterback coaching experience. Well, it's fair, fair point. I mean, I've said the same thing, Eric Lemansky, little NIL money here. So I contribute to the marketing juggernaut known as from the Hawkeye of the storm. I didn't know I was a marketing juggernaut. Um, but thank you for helping the cause. Lomansky. Appreciate that. Kenneth says, uh, can the hospital next to Iowa football field do NIL or is that part of Iowa football? Can they do NIL? Um, you'll have to explain your question. Are you asking if they can contribute? Because I mean, I, I, I don't, uh, I don't, I think that's what you're asking. And I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I mean, that's, that's a university run hospital. So I, I don't believe they'd be able to pay players. I mean, not above board, right? 
happening everywhere, but I don't believe so. Um, Eric says, I wonder if Phil Parker ever had, uh, he has heated discussions with his offensive counterparts, given how good the defense is, yet gets crapped on by uh, uh, because of the pit- pitiful uh, time of possession. What's uh, T-O-P? Um, Eric says he was, uh, he did get more hope after the interview. Yeah, and I was encouraged by what Tony said about Petrus's attitude, which didn't surprise me how likable he is, but it, it has to be proven to me on the football field first. All right, if you are joining this show late, we've been on for almost two hours. We're wrapping it up here in a few minutes. But to recap, this is the latest surrounding Iowa's very active recruiting weekend. Making sure there's no breaking news while we're on here live. We've had some news. Let me run through that first. Iowa basketball offering 2024 four-star shooting guard, Kurtang. That news broke uh, while we were on live. Also, wide receiver Jerron Tibbs, who was on campus this past weekend. He's a 6'4", 193-pound, three-star wide receiver from Indianapolis for the 2023 class. Uh, He will uh, be announcing his commitment on Twitter tomorrow at noon Eastern, 11 Central time. And so, I've got a meeting at 10 a.m. tomorrow, but... I'll be tweeting something out, and if it's Iowa, we'll certainly be here to uh, break it down. But he will be announcing tomorrow. Um, okay, the the class that uh, or the group of kids that were on campus this weekend are as follows: according to rivals, Caden Proctor, five star offensive tackle, standing at six seven, three hundred thirty five pounds. We know the storylines. He's uh, trimmed his list down to Iowa and Alabama. He's taken visits to both. Plenty of visits to Iowa. We're waiting a decision. Trevor Lauk, four-star offensive tackle at 6'6", 287 from Indy. He has committed to Iowa. De- uh, Kenneth Merriweather, heard that visit went well. He's, he's a 6'3", excuse me, 235-pound defensive end from Detroit. He will be uh, announced, I think, soon. Nothing official there, but I think he will be. Linebacker and athlete Asa Newsom, three-star, 6'4", 205-pound Linebacker, I think he'll be in a Hawkeye as well, if I had to guess, but no announcement from him. He was on campus. Logan Howland, teammate of Marco Linez, 6'7", 280, a three-star. He was on campus. Defensive end Kendrick Gilbert, a 6'5", 270-pound defensive end. Three-star recruit was on campus. Chris Tarek, a 6'6", 295-pound offensive tackle. He was on campus as well. Khalil Tate, a 6'1", 185-pound Safety, he was on campus. Zach Ortworth, 6'5", tight end, was on campus. Jerron Tibbs, we mentioned he'll be announcing tomorrow. He was here. Uh, Trevor Boer was on an official visit to Iowa. Defensive tackle at 6'4", 265. George Burhine, a 6'5", 215-pound tight end, was here. And then Jordan Allen, 6'4", 240-pound defensive end. If I missed anybody, please let me know in the chat or in the comments uh, comment section after this video is um, final. But that's the list. So a, a laundry list of guys, plus some guys that were already committed, including John Nestor and I believe David Calker and Aiden Hall and Zach Lutmer. Those guys are recruiting. Leighton Jones was there as well. I believe Alex Moda was there. Um, I believe Marco Linez was there. I have not spoken with Marco, but I believe he was, according to what, what rivals had out there. Don't quote me on that. But uh, I believe uh, Marco Linez was there. Um. Okay, and let me, uh, one other thing I wanted to get to. So 
Looking at uh, what Iowa has in the 23 class and the 22 class combined, um, it's, it's sort of interesting, even going back to the 21 class. So we talked about Iowa's uptick in recruiting, specifically along that offensive line. Um, I do wonder, moving forward, will Iowa be able to keep all these offensive linemen if Proctor commits? Because if Proctor commits, you're going to be, this is what you're looking at. You've got from the 21 class, David David Cobb, who's a 6'6", 295. This is out of high school. He's 6'6", 295. He's a tackle, right? He's a tackle. Now, he hasn't seen the field yet. My understanding is he was hurt last year. Connor Colby's playing inside at 6'5", 305. There's a difference between 6'5", and 6'6". Slight difference, right? One inch. But uh, with those two guys, David Cobb, a natural tackle. Bo Stevens is 6'6", 295. I mean, my understanding is that he's a tackle. So there's two tackles that are basically, I think, locked into being tackles. Dunker's an interior offensive lineman. Um, and then Mislinski's a center. So that's what you have in the 21 class. Then you have the 22 class. Let me pull up 22 here. And we mentioned Kale Crow from Huxley. So he, at a high school, was listed at six foot six, two sixty five, and then Jack Dotzler, six seven, two sixty five. Those guys are tackles. So there's four guys who are surefire tackles, and then you look at 2023, and what does Iowa have in 23? They land a six foot nine, two hundred sixty five pound offensive tackle in Cannon Leonard, and a six foot six, two hundred eighty five pound tackle and Trevor Lauk. So to me, if I'm, if my math is right, that's six tackles that are, I think are guaranteed to be tackles. I don't, unless they move the defensive side of the ball and maybe that's what that will happen. Somebody will be moved because not everybody can play tackle and Iowa doesn't love to rotate guys in at tackle. Typically they did last year. I think more because of need, but if Proctor commits, then you're looking at a bunch of guys who are tackles and that's not taking into account the young guys they have playing right now, Nick DeYoung, Mason Richmond, Jack Plum will be moving on. Perhaps that's why Iowa sees Connor Colby as a as a guard because they've got so many guys who can play tackle moving forward. And that's a good problem to have. I just wonder at what point, like they've got Logan How Logan Howland is an offensive tackle who was who was teammates with Marco Linus. He was on campus. He's 6'7, 280. Chris Tarek is 6'6, 295. Those guys are tackles. You know, I, I'm no offensive line expert, but those guys are tackles, right? So, I mean, I don't know. How you, I, I, somebody's not going to make it, right? Somebody's not going to play, is my point. So, they're not going to be able to hold on to all these guys unless people switch to the defensive side of the ball. And Trevor Locke's a four-star kid. Proctor's a five-star kid. Do, David Cobb was four-star. I don't know. I, I don't have an answer for you. Um, I've been told that it's hard to switch offensive tackles who are real tall to uh, tight end because of um, your, their feet. Right. Um, so I, I don't, I don't know, but it's, that was my first, my first question yesterday when four-star tackle Trevor Lau committed to Iowa football. I thought, okay, is this a sign that Caden Proctor is not coming? Um, not because I thought, well, Iowa took Lauk over Proctor, but did Lauk know something we didn't know, right? Did Lauk have a reason to believe that Proctor is not going to commit and that's why he committed? And I was told that's not true. I was told by somebody in the know that this does not hurt 
Iowa's shouldn't say it doesn't hurt Iowa's chances. This is not an indication that Proctor is a member of the Crimson Tide that he's going to commit to Alabama. That doesn't necessarily mean he'll be a Hawkeye, but I was told that this had that there's no correlation between the two. So potentially Iowa could have Cannon Leonard at six nine, Trevor Laug at six six, and Caden Proctor at six eight, all in the same class, plus the guys that I just named off for the twenty one twenty two classes. Excuse me, twenty yeah twenty one twenty two classes. So. I don't know. It's just a lot of uh, big tackles, tall tackles. So uh, we'll see what happens. Cole says, what do you think are the main problems with Nebraska? Uh, I'm assuming you're talking about on the field. Well, turnovers have been a bugaboo. I haven't looked at the numbers recently, Cole, but turnovers have been a bugaboo. Um, I remember going into the last season and talking with Mark Rogers about Nebraska and uh, the fact that they really were beating play, beating teams off the line, but they had dumb, dumb mistakes. I think about the snapping the football issues two years ago when uh, Scott Frost complained about Iowa clapping uh, and throwing off the Nebraska center. Like those are the pro those dumb mistakes, special teams gaffes. If I recall, they had a really dumb special teams gaff week zero against Illinois last year. If they can clean, clean those things up, they'll be fine. But here's the deal, Cole. I do believe those things come down to coaching. And well-coached teams are sound and disciplined. That's why you see Iowa and Wisconsin and even Minnesota being pretty consistent year in and year out because they have good coaching. So even when maybe you're not winning every battle in the trenches, and I think the, well, those teams typically do win those battles because they're well-coached as well. But even when they're not, Iowa hasn't been great on the offensive line. They still won 10 games last year. So they're they're really good defensively. They're really good on special teams. They don't turn the ball over, even though they had a quarterback that was just average, below average. That's what I would say, but I'm no Nebraska expert. Um, Joseph says, glass is half full, not half empty. I agree. I don't know if you're referring to my conversation about the tackles, but I'm not implying that it's a bad problem to have. I'm just saying somebody is not going to play. So we can get excited all we want. Somebody's not going to play a tackle. That's all I'm saying moving forward. But I don't think Proctor is going to be here more than three years if he comes. John brings up Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. Uh, <laughs> might need a stable job opportunity, implying that Iowa might get involved there. That would be uh, quite the quite the uh, turning point. Okay. Uh, I don't see anybody. La last call, I'll give people one last opportunity at uh, giving uh, throwing a call in here because it is one minute till nine. So the number is 515-635-1601. You see it on the bottom ticker there. If you want to donate to the show, donate to the channel. Appreciate the super chats this evening. If you want to donate, though, there is a link in the description below. You can also support our sponsors. That's much appreciated. Um, if you can support our sponsors, that's awesome. Uh, but please donate to the channel in the description below if you so choose. Um and sponsor. If you want to sponsor the show, put that on the bottom line as well. From the eye of the storm at outlook.com. Email me and we can talk. We can um, we can discuss uh, levels of sponsorship and whatnot. Again, from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. We're ramping up coverage, folks. So activity is only going to grow. Content's only going to get better. But we're here all off season. From the eye of the storm at outlook.com. If you want to sponsor your small business or your big business, whatever the case may be contact me from the eye of the storm outlook.com please if you have not already done so hit the like button that helps share the show out on social media that helps as well um, and want to let everybody know i'm here well i'm not here i'm with 
uh, Mark Rogers, the voice of college football, every single Tuesday at 4.30 p.m. Every single Tuesday, 4.30 p.m., myself and the voice of college football, Mark Rogers. So if you've subscribed here, great. Thank you for that. Please hit the notification bell on your way out. But also head over to Iowa Football at the Voice of College Football. That's the YouTube channel, Iowa Football at the Voice of College Football. And subscribe there, all right? Because we have a great time every Tuesday at 4.30 talking Iowa football. And maybe we'll have some news. We'll have some news if Jerron Tibbs commits tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see where Jerron Tibbs ends up going. But he will be announcing tomorrow at noon. This show will be available by podcast, Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Anchor, Google, all those podcast platforms. And I want to let everybody know we've got great content on the way. You'll want to stay tuned later this week for Brada's Branded Thoughts. The podcast will be available on our podcast platform and will also be available on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter and Facebook. Certainly subscribe here. But a great episode of Brada's Branded Thoughts is right around the corner and a great guest. Appreciate everybody who's been on um, the show throughout the offseason. It's been uh it's been fun. It's been a, it's been a fun time. This show has been fun as well, and I guarantee you, this past weekend is going to pay more dividends. We got a commitment from Lauk. We're waiting on Proctor and a laundry list of other recruits. Thank you for being with me this evening. Subscribe here, and we will talk to you soon.